What is up? I'm your host, Gabby, and welcome to the Shit My Roommate Says podcast. Come vibe with my guests and I as we share our stories and open up about the taboo topics that roam around in most people's minds. All right, welcome back to the Shit My Roommate Says podcast. I'm your host, Gabby, and today we have with us a very, very special friend of mine and who's equally as awesome because he also has one of his own podcast. Ladies and gents, let's give it up for one of my greatest friends, Victor Cavazos. Hello there. (laughs) And that is the first and only time you will ever hear me say your name. So, from now on, it will be, it will be C. C. It's always been C. It's going to stay C. (laughs) For those of us joining, Victor is, uh, I know I said it, I said it that time because I'm introducing your podcast. So, mm -hmm. so Victor is one of the five hosts from the, the podcast, the pod squad five. So you want to tell us a little bit about your pod, your podcast, sir? Yes. Uh, we started a podcast. Uh, well, my friends and I got together because we were trying to make short films and stuff and little skits. But, you know, COVID kind of put a, you know, an end to that. So we <laughs> said, well, what else can we do? Uh, we would get together and talk and stuff. And like, well, we all have something in common. We all like entertainment. So we said, uh, oh, oh, one of our members, uh, Belinda, said, why don't we do a podcast? And so I was all on board right away because I'm just goofy and silly. And, you know, you put a camera in front of me, I feel that big goofy. You're so, a character, for sure. I'm a character. Well, the term I used with you the other day was ham. And you were like, what's that? Because you're young and I'm old. <laughs> uh, ham is somebody who shows off a lot. And that, I guess that's me. Uh, so, yeah, we decided to do a podcast. We started doing it for around Thanksgiving. We do it every other Saturday and help put it out there for you all to watch. And hopefully you'll sign in and be, uh, follow us. But uh, we talk about entertainment. Movies, music, art. I think I think my favorite episode so far that really had me intrigued with y'all was the one about the female singers. I really liked that. Yeah. It really gave me a whole kind of different look from one of the um, I don't recall his name. He had Bernie Sanders right there on on the corner. Um, he yeah, just had <laughs> the mittens. Put the mittens and put me on the camera. But but he gave such great emphasis and kind of a different story to Selena than I personally knew. Um, Selena, of course, passed right when I was like, mm, I want to say like five, maybe four, to, anywhere between like four to six, I want to say. So I didn't know too, too much unless one, it was in the movie or things I've you know learned throughout time. And then of course now watching the Netflix series, but um what he said, it just, it was really nice to kind of hear a different take on it. I, I like hearing different points of view, hence why I started a podcast. <laughs> but uh, going on, going further, the other segment I like to kind of introduce with is how we met. And I find this to be the best intriguing topic I think I've ever had. <laughs> it is intriguing. You want me to tell the story tell the tale <laughs> you know what i guess so i will introduce the topic real quick so and then because it's gonna all tie in from there pretty much 
Um, so our topic today uh, is the teacher, breaking that barrier. So please enlighten us, C, as to how we met way back when. Okay, I'm a teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> most of the, uh, four of us on our pod squad are teachers. Uh, and I've been teaching for a while, and I was teaching health to seventh graders at a middle school. And we had a, the nurse would use this eighth grader as an aide, so she would make deliveries and go pick up kids that needed shots or I don't know. Um, and so she would enter the classrooms with notes. I have a note for so-and-so. So one day this girl came in and said, I need, the nurse needs to talk to so-and-so. I said, okay, go and go. and. For some reason, the aide didn't leave. <laughs> she hung around. It was boring it, in there. She got cold all the time. And that aide was Gabby. And <laughs> for some reason, Gabby became a fan and was like in there every single day during that period. And she was an eighth grader. So technically, she wasn't my student, but she was a student at the school I was working at. And since she was always around, <laughs> We got to know each other and um, we became friends. Uh, and I, when I say friends, I mean teacher student friends, not that kind of friends. Okay. Gosh, no, 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 no. Okay. And so right. that, that brings me into a very, very great point. Um, so for those who are new um, and for, who are listening um, and can actually see us now, because if you watch us on YouTube, you can definitely see our faces. Um, see, and I, now that we've done the math, we have what, a 29 year age difference? 29. 29. I was 13. I think you were like, okay. yeah, I was 13. You were in your 40s. But there wasn't ever, I'm like, the thought just goes, Ugh. I'm sorry. But, thank you though, right? Like, I, I, okay, from what I can remember, of eighth grade, thir you know, eight, thir 13 years old, one, she had a cold and she was not nice. So I, I had the ability to sit in a chair in the corner or go get people. <laughs> and I hated sitting in that corner, you know, because there's nothing fun to do. You're like me, you don't like sitting around. No, I don't like sitting around. I wanted to go explore and I guess it was, and you know, I've, People could say a teacher's pet, whatever. I don't think I was a teacher's pet as much as I enjoyed the energy some teachers gave when I was younger. Um, I can recall several teachers in my eighth grade, my middle school years, who I can rem remember descriptive details of just different class, you know, things we did or lessons we learned those days. But it, was, it wasn't because of the lesson I learned, it was because of how they taught it. And when I would walk in every day, I was like, he has this, he was, you were bubbly. Like I had guy teachers and right. But I had guy teachers and all I want to do is be like, do your work. But you just had a kind of like, okay, cool. This is health. This is what we're going to do. And I'm trying to think, did I take a health class? I don't know. gotten it with uh, another teacher that was also a baseball coach before me, but I won't say his name. I, I can I can assure you I did not. I that's why I think I think that's all all of that. You know why? No 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 no. Because I left seventh grade year. 
that is why I did not take a health class. So that's why I, one, might have been very intrigued by your class because I never took the class. I also never took a typing class. Screws with me to this day. But back to the story, you're, you were just, it was, it was nice. It was refreshing. And I guess to me, it's like I'm, lear I'm learning something at the same time. So if I get in trouble, am I really going to be in trouble for saying, hey, I chose not to sit in a seat and do nothing. I learned health. You know you what I mean? Nurse at the time, so why not? I was right across the hall. Like if she needed me, she could have just yelled, and I would have heard. <laughs> I mean, it is what it was. But no, so that that what that is that is, the first topic, like breaking past that barrier, overcoming that society mindset that a male teacher cannot befriend a female student without any sexual undertones. And that's, yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, it's very know, unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate that it only takes a few people to do something stupid to mess it up for everybody else. Mm -hmm. because, you know, and I tell my students to this day, you know, like, you're not my friend. You're my student. I'm your teacher. We have a professional relationship. Don't call me Vic. Don't call me Victor. Call me Sir, Mr. C, or Cavazos, or whatever. Once you graduate from high school, yeah, let's be buddies. If, if, if we have that kind of relationship, friend, friend me on Facebook. And a lot of my friends on Facebook are former students, you know. And uh, it was kind of weird the first time because I've been teaching for a number of years. And I was going to a midnight movie on a weekend. And so I got out at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I would be having a poor diet. I always stopped at Taco Cabana to get a taco on my way home. And I'm sitting there eating. And somebody across the room says, are you Mr. Cavazos? I'm like. I look over there and it's this dude, not a kid, a, a man. Like, <laughs> you used to be my teacher. Like, wow. <laughs> he was like 30 years old. You know, he must be much older now. Uh, but uh, I'd I, like, wow, people actually know me and recognize me and stuff. So. But you know what? It, I think that's a little significant personally because, again, you like you said, he is probably a 30-year-old man at the time. And you made an impact on him that he chose to go up to you could have left you alone, could have just not made any muss or fuss, but he chose to go up to you and say, like, acknowledge you, I guess, you know, like, you taught me when I was younger. And to me, that kind of, I take that way of like, look where I'm at, like, look, like, I'm doing really well for myself. I'm excited. Thank you. You know, I take it that way, personally. You know, any little piece that I can do to help them, that's what I, that's my job. And that's why I'm a teacher. Yeah. You know, I don't do it for the money. You know, I, I love my students and my students are the most important thing. And I tell people to this day that the best part of my job is my students. Uh, but students are students and friends are friends. And so you and I, uh, we clicked, you know, we, we had good chemistry, you know, and I said, hey, she's a pretty cool kid, you know. Uh, and you were there every day, so we talked every day. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> as we got to know each other, we started talking about our families and I found out, you know what I'm going to say, that... <laughs> Your mom and I ended up being classmates in high school. I didn't know that. I'm yeah, I thought that was backwards. equally weird and cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the kid part of me is like, oh, gross. <laughs> but no. We, we didn't know each other in high school. We ran with different groups of people. But through you, I found out that she was a classmate. And of course, I've met your mom. Yeah. And, 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 You've met pretty much my entire family at my house yeah. party way back when. <laughs> 
I have. And, you know, that, that's really neat that I can say that I met you back when you were 13 years old. And I've known you for more than half your life. And then we spent some years where we weren't talking to each other because you went off and had a family and made babies. And I went off and did what I had to do. We've always had life, you know, things. I made babies too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you made babies too. And, you know, we, we've always had that though. So, you know, I didn't just... And, and, and it is, you know, I, I want to say that there is that like level of importance with it. It's like, yes, I met you when I was 13, but to those who, you know, aren't familiar with our friendship, I really didn't talk to you all of high school because of course you are a teacher. And I mean, I might've seen you at like a football game here and there, or, you know, I'm trying to think, but mo most of the time it was football games. You would drop by campus for one reason or another. Yeah, I would drop by, you know, just go visit. I'm one of those. I just, I don't know. I like, I like the memory of it in a way. Um, and then of course, when I, be when I was a senior and it was like graduation week and we weren't there, I thought about you and I was like, I wonder how he's doing. And so I went back to the school and you're teaching. <laughs> and then I think it taught your class for you. <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm 18 now. We can be friends. <laughs> High five. Made it. <laughs> and then from there, but, you know, then college happened. We kept in touch here and there. And then, yeah, um, lost yeah, touch for a little bit. And then gained. We've never, we might have lost touch, but I've always felt we never lost that, like. Well, that's what I was about to say. When you contacted me recently about the podcast, we just fell right back into it. You know, yes. long person just click again because we just have that chemistry. Thank you. You know, and that's that was what was going to bring me that chemistry. Uh, how would you describe our chemistry? Like, um, I feel uh, I talk too much, so take no. it away. <laughs> no, it's your show. Uh, uh, fun, you open, practice. Um, uh, just familiar just because we just know, have known each other for so long so i don't know I if it's because you. i've always felt like i had a good maybe I, I i i chalk it up to my my parents really um they never allowed us to soak or bask in a immaturity we we were always you know raised with kind of um hey you, you know what you're doing you need to, you need to behave. Well, if you, if you weren't doing that, then you, you wouldn't have gotten hurt. Like it was kind of a, well, we told you, you, you chose to still do it. So that's why you're, you're hurt. You know, so they never really allowed a level of immaturity in a way. And if, if we did, it was, we got, you know, reprimanded properly for it or whatever. But, um, we just, I've never felt like when I was 13, I did not feel like I was 13. So to me, it's like, I feel like I've always connected with older people in a way, you know, like just the, just the conversations you can have, you know, a, a third, me having a conversation with a 13 year old, he'd probably be trying to like kiss me or something, or ask me to a date to like the Mayan theater where we might get shot or something. <laughs> that theater is so bad. I went, I drove by that and I'm, I'm not helping people get shot. Please don't, don't take that bad. But that place looked really bad it went downhill and it was already downhill to begin with but i look at it and i was like oh, i wanted to go there on friday nights <laughs> well you know here because i think we're going to get into this is uh 
you talk when you were in middle school, and I guess in high school too, when you talk to your teachers and adults, you talk to them like an equal. And I think a lot of adults are threatened by that. And I wasn't. I, I respected that. I said, she, she's, she knows what she's doing. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying I, I, I shared too much with you or anything like that. No. Uh, no, but, but I could tell. I said, she's, she, she knows. She knows not how to be an adult, but she's, she's going to be a, a pretty cool person because you're not as immature as some of the other kids. And, of course, I expect them to be immature because they're middle schoolers. But yeah. you, you were on another level. And so I think that made it easier for us to, you know, to get along. I agree. I liked it though. And you yeah. know, I feel like the fr it shows within the friendship. It shows within the bond in a way, you know, like you, you've recently, yes. And you know, and you've recently met chef, you know, via, via this way. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's being able to have that connection and then, and then be able to, you know, even maybe one day meet bad girl jury and whatnot, but being able to say like, Hey, we, we went from a teacher standpoint to like, this is like my great friend, you know, you're there through, through life things like we have been. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoy it. I'm trying to see, Hmm. You know what? Speaking of COVID, how did, how, okay. I, I know how COVID affected me. I know that I didn't understand it much at first. What is your take on it? COVID? COVID. Well, you know, I actually wrote an essay and I put it on my Facebook page back at the beginning when all this pandemic stuff started happening that when I was a kid growing up, I couldn't understand why my parents insisted on us living the way we lived because my dad had a job. My mom was a homemaker. I had my two older brothers, and we were okay. You know, we had clothes in our bags, roof over our head, food in our bellies, and going to school, getting educated, and everything was good. But I couldn't understand why my family and my parents were such penny pinchers. Their everything was like, no, we can't afford that. But we have money. Why can't? Or we would like heat the house with the stove instead of using, you know, the furnace. You know, like we did that. And I and it, it just as I grew older and more mature and started taking on more responsibilities of my own, it occurred to me that my parents both lived through the depression. So when you live through traumatic times like that, that affect everyone, everyone's behavior had to be modified and changed in order to survive. And I kind of felt like this COVID thing was our depression. This is what our generation is gonna have to go through because it is affecting our behavior and we are having to make a lot of adjustments to survive. And even after the, you know, the, the pandemic is over, hopefully soon, our kids and our grandkids are probably going to want to know, why is grandma and grandpa so picky about our health? Why are they so picky about us washing our hands and, and doing all these things and not necessarily being embracing people too much? Maybe they're more into handshakes or, you know, because of what we've been through. You know, and I see that my parents' behavior was affected a lot by what they went through. And so I, I the title of my essay was Paradigm Shift, because it is, you know. Um, and it's affected, obviously, a lot of our social activities. And I think it's going to affect our social activities going forward, even as I call it the new normal. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's how it's affected me. Uh, but, you know, it's funny because uh, I know a lot of people have been inconvenienced by this. 
big time. And I have too. Mm-hmm. But the, I'll call it the alone time that I've had, not being able to see my friends and go out, has forced me to be more introspective and look within myself for whatever I need or, you know, mm-hmm. think about that, you know. And I think I've actually evolved in evolved uh, a, a bit. Uh, my hair, I, I decided to let my hair go because at first they wouldn't let us go to barbers. So I said, okay, I'm gonna let my hair go. Then they said, okay, you can go to barbers. But I said, you know what? I'm gonna let my hair go. So, because I used to cut it with a number three clipper. So that's pretty short. Wow. So I haven't had it cut in a year. This is a year's worth of hair growth. <laughs> And I've gotten a lot of compliments. And it's like, hey, you know what? My hair actually, it actually, when it gets to the end, it gets little curlies and does its own little wavy thing. Like, hey, Are you going to rock a man bun? <laughs> I have a friend that tells me that, that uh, you can do the man bun. I, I, I don't have enough to do a man bun. I barely <laughs> have enough to do a ponytail, uh, which I've experimented with. But I had some people go like, uh, <laughs> So it's right now it's more free flowing, but uh, and so far they haven't told me anything at work, so I'm bad because you know it's it's who I am. So, it doesn't affect my professional professionalism, you know. I just chef's nine to five. He <laughs> would go to um, he would go to work pre COVID, and then now that you know it's work from home for everything for the most part, he let his hair grow, and there came a time where I was just like. I did not know I was dating a Wookiee. <laughs> I was like, are you going to go get a haircut? Like, I'm keeping myself right and tight. Like, are you going to go get a haircut? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like, I understand you don't want to look good for you. Look good for me. <laughs> I'm like, I, I like the COVID era in a way because, yes, there, there is the time now for self-reflection. And it taught me. It taught me a lot that I would have not necessarily brought to light as easily as having all of the alone time to help me with it. But I never realized how much I suffered from anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. until I'm put in an environment where I have to be by myself. And then, you know, um, at the time, Chef and I were separated for a little bit. So it was just me and bad girl jewelry by ourselves on top of that, on top of having my own household to like, you know, monitor and be responsible for. So it it was a lot at first. And the thing that COVID didn't help with me is that I am a big extrovert. So I love, you know, being outside, not necessarily having to be inside somewhere with a big, large group setting, but I loved being outside, whether it's taking her to the park or maybe in a setting where there's some people, but not a lot, you know, and it really dampered all of that. You know, I love, I love live music and that is one of mine and chef's things. Yes. All day, every day. And they canceled everything. I had, I was about to go to one, a concert that I, not concert, but like live music event. Um, that was happening like right, right, right when COVID started, it was called like electric feels or something like that. And it was just going to be like, you know, a bunch of just vibing music. And I was so for it. And then it's like COVID. I'm like, all right, cool. And then 
I was going to do a fishing tournament on my 29th birthday, COVID canceled. Then family's like, hey, let's have a little birthday party for you. Not, not big or anything. It was definitely COVID standard. There was not anybody there. So it really kind of just was like, I, I love seeing people. I love doing just little things and I, we couldn't do anything. And COVID for me helped to just open all of, all of that up. It helped to realize, Hey, I need to heal. I need to get better about different things. Now, almost a year into it, I can say we're better. You know, I I'm more okay and adapted, but no COVID was horrible at first. Yeah. It's there's a big negative for me is that my daughter has autism Mm -hmm. and she's definitely afraid of needles. And being a teacher, knowing that I was going to be exposed to potentially getting COVID on a daily basis, mm-hmm. uh, our students came back on October the 5th, and I sent my daughter to live with her mom, because her mom lives near Canyon Lake, and she works from home, and I figured my daughter would be safer there. Uh, and so she went over there and uh, missed her a lot, because uh, that's, you know, that's, that's my your girl. Yeah, and she is big time spoiled. Uh, Aren't they all? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, especially if it's a girl, you know. I just, I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of, you know, how some guys that I want to have a boy, and, and you know, I kind of, but before she was born, wanted to have a boy, but once she has found out she was a girl, I just fell in love, and I can hug her and kiss her and just. I feel, her. I feel like that's a, that's a very Hispanic thing. I don't, I, I, you know, not necessarily even Hispanic thing. I feel like that's just a very normal thing that people want that boy first. I too wanted a boy first. And then I have a girl, but I feel girls give you those life lessons that make you soft. Yeah, you know, I, I can talk to you about her birth because that, that changed my life. But that's another, maybe another topic. I don't know. But oh, we'll get into that. I, I, I've seen her between October 5th and last weekend I saw her. I've seen her like five times, which is difficult. Mm. I don't want to put her mom at risk either. No, yeah. because um, then that's every day, you know, but I, I wait till at least once a month. I'll try to go over there and visit her in person because I, I miss the heck out of her. Uh, and uh, I take her little things every time I go. But uh, we hope, I, I've already gotten one shot and it'll get my second one in about a week. Uh, I don't know how we're going to manage her though. Because when she was younger, we literally one time it took three people to hold her down to give her the vaccine. Uh, she's a little better now. She keeps saying, oh, okay, I guess I'll have to try. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to walk her into the vaccine place and then she balks. You know, like, well, what are we going to do now? You know, she doesn't want a shot. Uh, so it's a challenge. But the sooner she gets that, the sooner things will return to normal and I'll be able to see her again. So that's been the big negative for me about COVID. But the positives, like I said, I've been doing more writing. Uh, I like to write. I want to be a writer when I retire. Uh, I've lost a lot of weight because of all the time we spent at home. Uh, Teach me your I'm, ways, Obi-Wan. Yes. Well, I, I've lost about 50, 60 pounds. That uh, is amazing. But it was started because they told me I was diabetic. You better behave, Kavazza. You better start eating right and doing okay, okay, okay. Uh, so I went to a dietitian. They gave me some really good advice. I started doing a little bit of keto, started exercising more. Yeah. And, and part of my exercising problem was I was getting plantar fasciitis or shin splints or something like that. But I was also because of the added weight. So when the weight started coming off, the injuries were less. So 
I can now go jogging and do all kinds of things. I love to hike, like you. I like to get outside. I don't like to be a homebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so I stay busy. I watch my diet. My my A1C is like in half. Uh, so I'm, the fact they took me off med, I'm doing so well. That again, is awesome. I don't know if I would have been that successful if it hadn't for COVID because I would have been more. No, know, yeah. Stuff like that. Um, so there have been some benefits for me as a result. I know I, I made the most of it, I guess you could say. Because, you know. Has Caroline felt it though? Like since, um, you know, since she's, she's gone over there? Has yeah, her mom manages her house differently than I do. So she had to adjust to that. And, and autistic people are very set in their ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so when she was in elementary school, she'd have a conniption if there was no pledge. If they forgot to do the pledge, she'd freak out, you know. Think of uh, Dustin Hoffman during that when he couldn't see Wapner. Sometimes she would be like that, you know. Gotcha. Uh, so you see, I, what we call a meltdown <laughs> for little things like that, you know. So she had to kind of adjust when she went to her mom's house, but she's adjusting well now. She's doing much better. Uh, and of course, I still go visit her, and I'm a part of her life still, of course. So, and, and her mom and I work it out pretty well. And uh, she lived with you for how long before she went to well, her parents? We've been divorced for 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, and she was three years old at the time. And so if we had agreed to do it the way the state wants us to do it, I would have seen my daughter once a weekend, once a month, oh, every, one weekend per month. And I was not going to stand for that. I was like, no, no, I want to be a parent. I don't just want to be the dad who appears. Um, and her mom and I could have fought over it, but... What actually ended up helping was that mom's job required her to travel a lot. Mm. So mom was, uh, and she had custodial rights, even though it was joint custody, she had custodial rights. Uh, she decided that, we, I shouldn't say she, we decided uh, that we share our daughter. You know, she spent equal time going back and forth to our homes. And we've been doing it that way since she was three years old. Gotcha. So, okay. uh, like for high school, she went, uh, I won't say the high school school. Uh, she was with me Monday through Friday, so she could go to high school here and see her mom on weekends. And that allowed mom to do go to work and travel and do whatever she needed to do. And there's occasionally she'd go on a weekend, and so she'd stay with me for a weekend, which, of course, was uh, great, yeah. <laughs> more time. Uh, yeah. But uh, she's more stable now. Mom's working from home. She doesn't travel as much. And so now we're actually adjusting the visitation a little bit. And she's 23 now, so there's not a court issue. It's just a matter of us working it out. And we've, we've got a good relationship where we work things out like that. And, and mainly because I don't want Caroline to see us argue. There's certain things we could argue about, but Caroline's more important. So <clears throat> we, we deal with it that way. So. How, I think this is just a perfect transition. How was it that first day that you became a parent? How was it when you saw Miss Caroline enter? Oh my God. Uh, the world here. I've often How did it change for you? I've often been reduced to tears when I describe this day because it is the day that I know there's a biblical term of transfiguration. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I went through my own transfiguration the day she was born because, and I always like to tell the story that before I was even married, I'd go out on dates and the girl I was with sometimes would freak out if they saw a baby at the next table. <gasps> the baby oh my god it's so beautiful and i'm like it's just a little person what's the big deal you know and then i i didn't get it you know i was like you're embarrassing yourself. 
<laughs> and so then I got married and there was a day that my wife told me that, oh, we're going to have a baby. And I was like, I was happy. I was very excited, but I wasn't like jumping up and down. Ah, you know, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to be a dad. And then I went on and did what I do, you know. And we went through the process of the pregnancy and all that stuff and the doctors and everything. And we went to a doula who lied to us. <laughs> uh, I mean, she didn't really lie to us, but she was telling us it's going to be very systematic. You're going to measure the contractions. It's going to be 19 minutes. It's going to be 15 minutes and 13 minutes. It's good. And you'll have plenty of time to get ready and go to the hospital and get checked in and get to a room and blah, blah, blah. No. No. <laughs> Woke me up in the middle of the night. I think it's time. Oh, okay. Let me get a watch. Let me time your contractions. Okay. Uh, 20 minutes. Good. Okay. And then, uh, what, 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 are you having another one? It's only been five minutes. What, what are you talking about? You know, and, and things were just all over the place. Contraction, 18 minutes, five minutes, 16 minutes, one minute. I mean, it, it was, you know, she went and took a shower and, and uh, water broke in the shower, luckily. Mm, <laughs> lucky. But, but it was like, oh my God, we need to get going. Luckily, it was the middle of the night. We called her mom to come over and watch our stepdaughter, or my stepdaughter, not her. <laughs> Um, and so she stayed with her and I was driving down the highway 80 miles an hour. She was literally fetal in the backseat because she was, I mean, she was, Carolyn, my daughter was coming, you know. Mm -hmm. We get to the hospital, I drop her up at the front, I park the car, I get back and she's already like there. I mean, there, there's no hospital room. She just went, Caroline was basically born 30 minutes after we got to the hospital. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it, Caroline was not, she was rushing. I wish I would have been that lucky. And, and yeah, I know, because the plan was an epidural and no time. She had a natural birth, which I, I feel for her. I, to experience 30 minutes, well, I mean, not 30 minutes, I'm sure she was in labor for longer, but to experience a hospital to birth within 30 minutes, take a gander, take a guess. Take a guess how long. From, from getting to hospital till bad girl jewelry decided to make her debut. Oh, two, two hours? 21. Oh, ooh, yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's uh, I was done. <laughs> I had an epidural, but I was done. I was like, her head is so big. I just want to die. I'm going to pass out. Uh, I want food. <laughs> Get me a water burger. <laughs> Oh, this is horrible. I, 30 minutes, don't get me wrong, natural birth, but 30 minutes, I would, I would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter, my daughter, though, a lot of people don't realize, um, and I guess it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good other point of view. You had a moment of, how, how would you say when when she when she came thirty minutes later, what was your what was your reaction? What was your how did you change? Exactly, yeah. Because I told you already, now you're embarrassing. It's just a baby. The moment I saw her, I became a different person. Mm -hmm. I, I just and here I, I'm getting emotional. It happens mm -hmm. every time. Every time I talk about that moment, she came into my life and totally changed my life. And, you know, those people say, what's the meaning of life? At that moment, I realized the meaning of my life was to be her father. That was my purpose. 
and that was going to be my purpose for the rest of my life. Um, and so they, they wrapped her up, they gave her to me, and immediately I said, you know, she opened her eyes, and I had to cover her eyes because the lights in the ceiling. She's been in the dark for nine months, and I, I wanted to protect her already. You know, so I instantly went into protection. I just, you know, it just, you know, I, I, it's hard to put into words, but I just like my whole life was just, I was holding it. Right. I'm a parent. I gave birth. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, gosh, you know, and then of course they took her and gave her to mom and mom started a little bit. They cut the umbilical cord and did all the placenta stuff, all, all that process that you go through when you're in childbirth. But that was just, um, the, the greatest day of my life, you know. Ugh, it was so scary for me. I so I wasn't married, you know. Um, I like to call a bad girl jury my rough draft, <laughs> you know, because you know, she's my practice. But it's okay. When I was single for the most part of my pregnancy, and um, I went, I went when I went into labor, I was, I had, I had just gotten home. I was on bed rest for a week. So Jilly, um, bad girl Jory is, was a preemie. She was born at 35 weeks. And, um, at 34, I was actually sitting at my nine to five. Well then, and, you know, had just had lunch with my sister. I felt pressure because I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, I'm like, I get up from my office and I'm like, <gasps> there's blood. And I'm sure you can understand like emotions come over you. Like what is happening? Is it something I did? Like at, at that time, you know, between me seeing what was happening on my chair to me getting to being checked out at triage at the hospital, they're like, oh, you're three centimeters dilated already. And I'm like, what, what? And you know, they're like, well, you're in early active labor. And I was like, no. And I'm freak. Mind you, like I'm alone in there. They did not allow. And so my sister went with me. They did not allow her in there with me. I had to be by myself and they're telling me these things. And all I'm thinking is, is, did I drink too much orange juice? Like, did I, did I walk up too many stairs? Like what, what's going on? Like I did not, because they didn't tell me anything. And basically were, was just like, you're an active labor. Here you go. You're three centimeters. I <laughs> first child, you know, like my mindset was like, is she going to come? Like, am, am I going to dilate more? I, I had no idea. They admitted me. And then they're like, you know, her lungs aren't developed enough. They gave me these shots, these steroid shots to kind of help her out. I was on bed rest. I, I, I was in the hospital for like three days that time. And then, and they're like, you know, we, because she's not there yet, we can't, we have to watch it. So they put me on bed rest for a week. Um, that Sunday that I was supposed to go back to work that, that Monday I was supposed to go back to work. I broke out of my house. I was like, I cannot be in here for a week. I could, my family would not leave, even allow me to go down the stairs. They would take everything I needed up to me. And it took me about 10, 
minutes or so to go down just 20 steps of a stairs of a staircase but I took my time and I wanted Olive Garden I wanted to eat my weight full of food and I did I ate everything and then I got home that night and boom I started contractions again and I had her that Monday that I was supposed to go back to work and she was a preemie and I just remember that within that 21 hours of labor it was scary it was painful and I do remember I hated the feeling that I was alone like I guess to me it was because I was like I did not know if I would be able to give her everything she needed like I had all of literally sitting in bed waiting to push out my child I'm thinking I can't do this I'm not going to be able to give her everything she needs and then you said you were getting emotional Ooh, um you know and then it's time to push okay and five minutes later she's here and they weren't going to allow me to and I think this is where my big my biggest maternal instinct kicked in right before um, I was going to push. They weren't going to hand her to me. They were like, she's a preemie. She, we need to check for these things, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I've been scared shitless here for <laughs> seven, you know, nine months, nine months or eight months or whatever. No, no, my kids, she's coming on me at least for 60 seconds, you know, and I think my sister caught my, like, no, you know, and they're like, and my sister then became sister bear and was like, no, she, she, she's going to hold her for a little bit. And my sister had the honor of cutting bad girl jewelry's umbilical cord. And I think that's why they're so close. But when she got placed on top of me, all of those feelings went out the door. It, 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 it no longer made sense of any doubt, any worry, any, any care, really. I was like, I have you and you have me. And together we have everything. Yeah. And that's how it's been ever since. And it's hard. It's been hard. Yeah. But I love every moment of it. But I will say, yeah, it, it is life altering. <laughs> that moment oh yeah definitely i mean it's it's there's nothing else like it and i've only experienced it once probably never again but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. chef talks about it and i'm just like um no <laughs> i don't know i just i love being able to say i can spoil we can spoil our so we have he has i have a bonus daughter um she she is and gonna be she's 10 she's gonna be 11 this year she, she just turned 10 and um the ages always get me because it's like you're going nine going on 27 you know type thing and so we have he has one his daughter i have bad girl jury and i know it would be nice to have the hours because he's basically raised bad girl jewelry since she was a month old that's when I met Chef. That's why I said it's been a it's been an adventure. But I can't I can't fathom the idea of having another one yet. Yeah. It would have to be planned. It would have to be yeah. really planned and thought out. Yeah. 
Yeah, we were in our 30s when we had ours, so we got time. <laughs> See, mm, I'm just <clears throat> I want to do more things. Don't have children in my in my years. In my I feel like my 30s are going to be my prime time, you know? So I'd rather focus on something called shit my roommate says. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our ambitions. Let's keep it real. I just it's hard. I, I give it to anybody, any parent who has multiple children. I give y'all fucking medals because mm -hmm. it's hard. I ha I deal with one, and mm -hmm. that is that is enough. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine multiples. I know I know my family has had like one child after the other, mm -hmm. and yeah, no. In that case, throwing autism. Yeah, that's another thing you have to overcome. I, and I'm pretty good with that because I remember when she was a toddler, she didn't want to use her, her, her words. She would just point to things which she wanted. And I had to teach her, use your words. You know, use your words. And I was like, this is a pop tart. Yeah. You know, and now she's, she's high functioning. She's, uh, she, she talks. She does math. You know, uh, she can read. You know, not at, at, at grade level. Like she's 23 years old now. But, uh, She's come a long way and you know and that's that's saying something considering that you know uh we have done it remotely you know mom's over there and i'm over here and i think that says a lot about our relationship mom and i because we put the emphasis on our daughter and she's benefited within within y'all's co-parenting were there ever any issues of course, of course. Was, if i may ask what were, what were some of the bigger hurdles y'all had to overcome? Gosh, um, this would help me. I'm currently in it. <laughs> uh, mm, uh, well, obviously the, the distance because she was here and then she chose to move to the Austin area because her mother lived there and her mother was, had health issues. Oh, okay. Near her mom. So I would constantly, well, both of us would be going driving back and forth. We've been literally doing that for 20 years. Driving, luckily she didn't move further than us. She did move to Cedar Park for a few years. Uh, so that was quite a trip. And there were days where I was working on a Friday and I'd get off of work Friday and drive up straight from work and I'd get home like at nine o'clock at night with my daughter and have her for the weekend. And then Sunday she would come and pick her up and take her back. But, it, it, you know, but we managed to work it out. Yeah. But logistically, stuff like that, yeah. And then, you know, I don't know, like, uh, even with, with, with child support, which I was paying, mom would reimburse me if I bought something for her. So, I mean, you know, I can't really say that there were any serious problems. I know, nothing I'd rather discuss. Yeah. But, <laughs> but for the most part, we, you know, we, we made it work. And, uh, you know, Carolyn, yeah. Y'all well, always had that line of open communication. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well, the best part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, you know, she, you know, she's over there. So Caroline was mostly getting her schooling here. So whenever we had to have a meeting with a teacher or something, I, I would, I would invite mom. Sometimes she could make it, sometimes she couldn't, but that's okay. You know, I, I was there. And when Caroline was going to school over there, she was in the choir. So whenever they had a, a performance, I'd drive up and I, I only think I missed one of her shows, and that was because they did it right after school, and that was while I was still in school. That was the only time I ever missed one of her shows. But every show she did, I, I went up there for every single one. 
videotape most of them. Uh, so, what are some of y'all's favorite things to do, you and Caroline together? Like, what would you say are your best dad and daughter moments? Oh, she likes, uh, well, remember, she's autistic, so she could stay in her room all day long and do that. But I, I, I have family who, who is autistic, and I, I see that, too, with, with her. Maybe um, alone, you know, but I, I, I need to socialize her. So I feel that's I, also any teenage, any girl. Any girl just loves her personal time. Yeah. Well, she's like 24-7. She comes <laughs> down for to eat, and then she goes right back, you know. So I always try to make plans for us to do stuff out. So we go horseback riding. Oh, we that is swimming. awesome. We go uh, for walks. We like, she likes to go to the bookstore, you know, toy store. So I like to take her stuff, and, and I, you know, I give her an allowance. I, I want her to use, learn how to spend money. Yep. So she's learning how to make change and all that, you know, make those interactions. So, you know, I, I have to, you know, today we're going somewhere. And so be ready because we're going somewhere. You know? I have to, I, I understand, you know, with, with the special needs part and transitioning over to my, to the toddler part, it's, it is almost, it's not the same, but it's, I have to do the same things with Jill now. And that's what I'm having to teach her is, yeah. is that we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. We have trying to give her that timeline trying to give her the yes the social cue i feel like it would help her social cues anything that's going to change her routine i kind of try to well, especially when she was much younger mm-hmm. uh because i said they're set in their way so if you're going to change something you just tell them uh tomorrow things are going to be different and that was the the, the, the what the word you know it's going to be different it's not going to be the same we're going to go do something else instead of this and so she could mentally prepare for it. Because if you do it just spur of the moment, it's like if she has an anxiety attack, you know, oh my God, things are different. And she freaks out. So you kind of have to prepare. That we, we actually had to have bad girl jewelry tested for possible um, signs and cases of autism. Mm-hmm. There, she didn't, she tested out of it. She didn't, you know, there weren't any contributing factors. But I feel like because they did the tests through, of course, a Zoom interview and they weren't able to see her too, too much sometimes. How would I say it? She, I, I mentored way, way, way back when. I mentored the PPCD program. So I was around children with learning disabilities. So I got to see it, of course, at the age my daughter is now. And there were things I see now and I'm like, Hmm. This is this is different. Yeah. You know, um and I I had her I had her checked out because I wanted to just be on the safe side. Not that I ever thought it was a bad thing or anything, but I want to make sure I want to I want to make sure I'm giving her the best care and attention. You know, if something's not right, I want to figure it out for you. I want to make it better for you. And I see her now. There are moments we she had to do speech therapy as well as behavior therapy, um, and to kind of help her with that transitioning from we're going to do this now, we're going to do this tomorrow. She still has moments where she has little outbursts here and there, uh, but I understand that the having to get them and prepare them yeah. and get them ready for the we're going to do this tomorrow. With her, we were advised, like, 
use the words later, describe what you're going to be doing at that moment, because she gets just too, too going. If everything, if something's awry, I don't know if that's something Carolyn, Caroline experienced when she was younger. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, there was even a, a, a sort of period of time, luckily it was short where she would do the head banging, you know, and uh, when there was, she'd get stressed out, uh, luckily that didn't last long. Uh, but uh, then there was another issue where she would like self dim, uh, where she would like scratch her face and she would take school photos and she'd have like little scars on her face. You know, luckily they didn't last, they went away. She's a beautiful girl. But those are things that she grew out of, luckily. Uh, but those are things that happened that are, that are supposed to be good sometimes. No, definitely. And I'm trying to think. I was like, I lost my I lost my sentence there for a second. Damn it. Does that moment does do those happen to you too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, see, thank God. I, I felt like I was really alone there. I had a really great question because you had just made such a good sentence and I was like, <gasps> and then it just went. Well, I'll take over. <laughs> take over. Go ahead. Doing a show. <laughs> no, but I have a to, um, I'll be doing a list of something. My favorite movies, blah, blah, blah. And I think, uh, well, what's in that movie? I, I see it up here, but I can't think of the title. And I'm like, uh. Well, I lost that sentence, but what you just said right now made me think of something else. So within your, your, your podcast, I'm going to change subjects now. You know me. I like to go zero to a hundred. I go everywhere with your podcast. I want to hear a little bit more about it. What are y'all wanting to do? Why did, why did you want to start? So whose idea really, like, did, did you put in a little bit of like the creative thought within the process or? Yeah. Uh, let me, let me. Um, let's let's get into that. I want to hear. I want to hear some stuff. The usual suspects: uh, Belinda Zepeda, uh, Mike Melendez, Jose Llamas, and Susan Guzman, as well as myself. Uh, three of us were actually teaching at the same school. When I'm a movie freak, and so back in the day before COVID, we'd sit elbow to elbow. And Belinda was next to me talking to somebody about movies, so naturally I go oh, movies. So we started conversations. She said, you know, I work with some people who like to make movies and make short films and skits and stuff. Would you like to them? Yeah. You know. So I'll never forget the first time we met. Uh, and it's had some people come and go. But the first time, they were like, uh, so what do you do? And, oh, I write scripts. What do you do? Oh, I direct. What do you do? Oh, I act. Oh, Victor, what do you do? Uh, I'm, I'm just a movie nerd. <laughs> I'm just here to be a fly on the wall and just absorb it all. I, I just want to be successful. Yeah, it, was, you know, it wasn't even about that. For me, you know, I love creative things, mm -hmm. but I want to know how they were created. That's yeah. the part that really I just gets my blood boiling because I love to know how you made something. I don't want to just see what you made. How did you do that? Yep. Show me, take, hold my hand and take me through the process. I want to learn the process. And so uh, we got together and uh, we had a few failed attempts that, movies and like I said people come and go. Uh, we met Jose later and Jose has been part of the, the group for quite a while now and, and Mike is, is the one who's not a teacher but Mike is very interesting because Mike has actually acted. Uh, he's done uh, lighting and stuff for some movies and he's actually done the roadie work for a lot of shows. So he actually brings that, that uh, perspective like, yeah, I was backstage with Ozzy Osbourne and like, oh, cool. Tell us that story, you know, because he's got tons of stories, you know. 
So that's always interesting. So again, COVID prevented us from doing what we normally do. So since everybody's doing Zoom, Belinda came up with the idea of doing a podcast. And I said, heck yeah, it sounds like fun. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not shy about stuff like that. So uh, we did one and we, we've been refining it, you know, but usually we'll pick a topic. We have meetings where we say, well, let's make a list of things we want to talk about. So we have our list that we make and we're always adding to it or always asking people to give us ideas for shows. And we write, write the show into different parts. Like we'll talk about our main topic. We'll, we'll do a segment about people who passed away. Uh, we'll talk about what's what brushes with greatness. Like I talked about my David Robinson encounter last, last time we did. You, uh, so you've met David Robinson? Well, I met him. I, I, I didn't meet him like, hi, David. It was one of those, oh my God, it's David Robinson he's standing right next to me. You had one of those two with him. Yeah, I, it was. It was when I was still married and we were with our 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 daughter uh, at this place, and I was in line to pay, and I literally turned around and I I just kept looking up and I said, "Oh my God, David Robinson!" And then I, I nudged the wife and was like, "It was right behind us," and she turns around and goes, "Who's that? <laughs> you don't know who that is, you know?" And then this rookie of the year, David Robinson. So anyway, I I, I was at Cheesy Jane's. And me and my best, we had, I had just gotten my hair done with my, my with the original roommate, M. Uh, and cause she is, she's a stylist. I would love to promote her. She is so great. Love her. Love everything she does. We had just came from doing hair and we went to go eat at Tracy Jane's and we're sitting there sipping our milkshakes, doing our thing. And then the corner of our eye, tall gentleman comes in, big family and they're moving around tables. And that's actually what what really kind of made us turn was because they were moving all of these tables right next to us. And I was like, okay. And then I see M's eyes and her face and she's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she goes, bitch, that is David Robinson. And, and I think she got a little bit more emotional about it than I did. <laughs> Cause I was just like, oh, okay. I've, I've seen, celebrities like not a lot but i've seen two you know and i'm just like okay give them their space <laughs> give them their space bye and she she was just like i can't believe i'm eating my fucking burger and he's right there and she goes okay i gotta calm down this is just so exciting oh my god <laughs> and it was nice but yes he was there and he had his whole, whole family all of them and you don't want to, you know, hi, I'm a big fan. No, just, yeah, I'm just like, mm. yes, the, the fan part of it was like, oh. he, yeah, I just go like, you know, like uh, the head nod, the, the cool, the like nonchalant. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Glad we can agree. <laughs> Ask him to be on your podcast next time. <laughs> I actually, you know, it's so funny you said that. One of the things that prompted me to make a podcast, one was COVID, I will say. I got tired of, I call it being silenced. Because again, I go back to, I'm a very social person and I'm a big extrovert. I love to sing. Singing is my thing personally. And when I couldn't go to a karaoke bar and just belt my heart out after a long week of work, 
I needed an, I needed an outlet and especially dealing, you know, with mental health, like you need something for yourself. You you need something to, to make you feel better. You know, um, how do they say like food for the soul? To me, I wanted to have my voice out there in a way. And the best part with, with shit my roommate says was I was able to bring my stories in and I was able to bring in the stories with other people and kind of make everybody feel like a little familia in a way, talking about the topics you don't really get to talk about. And when you mentioned the business card right now, I laugh at that because I actually just made business cards so I can start like passing out everywhere or just leaving places because I want so many people to come on and discuss the different topics and just have different stories and shared suggestions. I just, I want to hear what other people have to say. I know I have a lot. My name means talkative. I could talk all day, but. That's true. (laughs) I'm like, I know that for sure. (laughs) Teachers told me that growing up. They're like, oh, Gabby, you know, your name means talkative. (laughs) Fitting. And I was like, right? (laughs) That's true. What do you hope to accomplish with your podcast? You know, it's something we started doing just for fun, but we're about to go over 200 subscribers and we're growing. And I've already got some people in mind because we don't do interviews. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, We don't do that because there's five of us. So we have enough to talk about. Y'all have enough. (laughs) Yeah, although we did have uh, uh, his wife on because I told you she does the, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, what did I call it? The Chevy Skulls. Yes, I say sugar skulls. She does the makeup. Uh, and she's very talented and she's very good at it. So she kind of came on with him and, and talked to us about how she does that. So I guess technically that would be our first interview. Because uh, we did ask her, how do you do that? You know, I mean, tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, but I, I've got some people in mind that I'd like to have on, but I think we're waiting until, you know, we don't want to have people on and then nobody's there. So yeah. as we build an audience, I think we want to have more people on that we can interview and talk to. Because I know a lot of creative people. Uh, I've told you about two of them. Um, and, I can't wait uh, for one of them. From artists to guitar players to all, all kinds of backgrounds. And okay, I, think you need, I think you need the king on. <laughs> we could. It's a possibility. Uh, that might be. But uh, <laughs> you've, got my, you've got my gears turning. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and I'm a creative person, so I'm always trying to add something to it. And everybody does that. Um, and, and so we have good chemistry. And so if we can maybe bring some guests on, possibly even some sponsorships, you know, maybe. I would uh, love that. That's, that's, that's like a goal. Because right now it's not about making money. It's just about having fun. Yes. Uh, who knows what will happen after COVID if we'll continue doing it or if we're going back to making little short films. Because as I told you, I've already written a few scripts. And, you know, it would be fun to see some of them actually appear somewhere. You know, I know we're going to collab one day. Trust. Something I would love to do that. Because I, yeah. I, I just want to write. And it, it bugs me when students don't like to write. It's like, oh my God, it's the most freeing thing you can do. You know, just throw your words out there. It doesn't matter, you know, how you spell it. Just express yourself, you know. You know, you know what's funny? That I feel was my turning point on knowing that I was a good writer. Mm-hmm. Winning the nationwide contest. 
Ooh. Do you remember that? No, tell me. So, okay, so you know how I said I mentored the um, the yeah. students with learning disabilities, mm -hmm. and that was my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. So, like right before I went into your classroom and taught for you, uh, <laughs> we there was this contest going on. I got into the class with my friend at the time. And uh, we, she was, she had fun with it. She was, she was in, I think like first or second graders, maybe pre-K. And um, I, I got into the class with her and the first couple of weeks of school, they kind of try and figure out where you're going, um, where to place you. Well, I visited the older classrooms. I visited the youngers and then they took us to the PPCD classroom. And I fell in love. I fell in love with those babies. Ugh. I, I, I love all of those kids. I can still remember their faces and everything to this day. And um, I just remember I was trying to ask my teacher at the time. I go, hey, where am I going to get put? You know, like everybody else has got their classrooms. Like, where am I going? And he goes, that's where I wanted to talk to you. And I go, okay. And he goes, I'm going to place you in the PPCD room. And at first I was a little, how would I say? I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh no, but I was like, are you sure? Like, huh? Reluctant? I guess reluctant. I guess, yes, reluctant would be a good one because I was worried, you know, like I, what if I do bad in there? You know, like these kids require more. And he just said, he's like, that's why I'm putting you in there. He's like, you're going to give them the attention that most people don't. He goes, and at the end of the year, he goes, I think they're going to make an impact on you as much as you would on them. And I was like, all right, well, when you say it like that, yeah. so that was my classroom. And throughout the time as the as the year went on um there was a contest because it was our it was our program in the u.s it was their 10 or 15 year but it was brazil's 25 year or something like that i think it was our 25 year or their or vice versa um but they had they held a contest for the u.s there was a first second and a third prize and I'm starting to remember that now. Uh-huh. And there was a first, second, and a third prize. And within them, you had to write a because the, the class, the the um the my gosh, the program was at the middle school you were at too. And um the you know, our teacher gave us the paper and was like, hey y'all have the chance to, to win this as much as everybody else does. You have to write any of these excerpts um, and go from there. Uh, you can submit your pair, your, your story within the next week or two, yada, yada, yada. I knew I, I knew I liked to write. I knew I liked to do a lot of writing. That's I, I was in theater at the time. I would write poems. I would write little short stories in my books on the side when I wasn't paying attention in class. And 
I just did not want to write this article. I did not want to write this, this thing. I didn't want to do it. And I just remember he pestered me. He was like, give me this. He goes, I, it's not graded, but I will make it gradable for you if you don't give it to me. And I was like, you can't do that. And he's like, watch me. And I was like, uh, he was being testy. And so I was like, you know what, whatever. And I know I didn't want to write it because I get really into my writing. I get really passionate. And when I sat down that day in the counselor's lounge, just use, using the computer to just write this quick story to, to give to my teacher by the next two periods, I just, I don't even remember the the alarm bell saying class started or the, the period started and the period ended. I just, I just wrote and then I printed it out, didn't even check it, gave it to him. And maybe it was like two, it was weeks had passed then months had passed. And then we went to this event and it was like, Hey, sir, I had been asking him in the time. I was like, Hey, did we ever hear back about that contest or whatever happened about it? Not that I cared. I just wanted to know what happened because he made such a big deal about it. We get to this, this thing at, I think it was Our Lady of the Lake. Out of nowhere, you know, we're doing these events. We're doing these little training programs that that program offered. At the end of it, we're all eating lunch. And I see kind of like a lot of big high wigs kind of coming in. And I'm like, okay. And then my best friend started acting just super suspicious and I'm like okay well the people start talking and they're like you know we 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 received the results from la 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 and they they went on and on and they announced third place third place was I, I don't recall who second place was somebody within our program um she was a freshman, I think at the time, but she received second place within the U S and then I saw that they were making a big deal about first place. They were holding off on saying who the grand prize winner was. And then I see my mom and my sister walk in and I'm like, holy shit, holy shit. And I'm like, I'm I'm not saying this out loud. It's all registering in my head. It's all processing, you know, a hundred times a minute. Like, um, and then my, my teacher, you know, super guerito, super light skin is the color of a fucking airhead balloon. Like I'm, I'm looking at him I'm like, what is it? You better tell me now. And then I guess in the midst of thinking about it all, <laughs> they were talking and they're like, grandpa's winner, Gabriella, la, 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 la. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And yeah, I went to Brazil. Wow. <laughs> I won a nationwide essay contest. That's I had awesome. no clue. Yeah. Didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but yes. So that's, that's yes. And that is the moment I realized I know how to write and I guess I know how to write well. Mm. And since then I've, I've always kind of just made my little like, mm, like little, little happy moment. 
because when I do write, I, I feel that passion. I, I feel that same. So I understand what you mean when you're like, I love to write. I love to do this. And I'm like, I get that same passion when I spoke about those kids. Like to me, it was never about winning that contest. It was speaking about the kids. It was speaking about how they made me feel at that time. And to know that the, the love and heart took me somewhere, you know, that also told me, Hey, you have a niche, like pay attention to your niche. And that's what I've done even into my adult life. You know, 11 years later, 12 years later, almost I writing is my thing. Creativity, putting voices out there, letting things be known. That is what I also feel is why I started my podcast. I wanted to put good boards out there and good fortune. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome. And, and I, I'll look, leap at any opportunity to, to express myself. I, I don't do it just because I'll have to have a, a motivation for it. But like, quick story, when I was in high school, uh, one of our English teachers was known for reading the newspaper and telling us, oh, y'all write a two-page essay on something. Okay. <laughs> He'd give us a topic. He'd put it on the chalkboard read the newspaper. At the end of the period, everybody turns in the top of their paper. And so I would sit there for like 30, 40 minutes writing nothing. I would just organize it all in my head. I said, what am I going to write about? How am I going to write that? Then like the last 15 minutes, like, well, turn in. I, 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 get, I get good grades, yeah. you know, because I just had a way of organizing things. Obviously, my press is a little different now, but like, you know, if I see something that I want to write about, I've written lyrics and poems and essays and short stories and scripts and stuff. And, you know, it's all about a topic. And then I kind of vomit up everything I can think of regarding that topic. And it, it doesn't have any structure to it, just ideas. And then once I feel like I've squeezed every ounce out of that sponge in my brain, then I'll start organizing things. And if it's a poem, I'll obviously try to create some structure and some rhyme or some pentameter or whatever. It depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. And so then I'll organize it and I'll do it over and over again, redraft, you know, edit it, edit it until I, okay, that's good. And then it'll be in my computer for, <laughs> so I'm not a published author yet, but that's my goal. <laughs> my uncle is a published author and, um, I just, I see the passion that he has, you know, with his, with his writing, I could totally see you going very far with it. I think you need to definitely explore your options and avenues. And I know people, like even have some nephews on my, my, my ex-wife's side of the family that have got books on Amazon. That is so cool. I need to do that. You know, <laughs> if I like writing so much, how come I don't have something on Amazon? You know, I need to do that. So, you know, it's coming. Um, there's more in store. I always have ideas. I'm constantly coming up with ideas for stories and books and stuff. So it'll happen. And with that, you know, that just means that you'll get to come on here more. And I've already told you time and time again, if and when I get picked up and, you know, I'm fortunate to say that this becomes my biggest thing. And, you know, we made it to the real world. I'm just going to scoop you up too. And then you can just be my, uh, my producer. You can do all, you can do all the back. And then we yeah. can then, you know, make a separate company for screenwriting and stuff. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Planning, there Yes. You go. I, I'm turning, I'm turning uh, goals into, goals into facts. Yes. 
And you know, with that, I don't think there is any other way to end such a great, such a great positive outlook on a really cool, different dynamic of a friendship that is you and I. And I do hope to have you back on for those viewers who are interested in wanting to become a guest on Shit My Roommate Says podcast or share any topics, uh, stories, suggestions, feel free to reach out to me. I can be reached at Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y, at shitmyroommatesays.com. We are also streaming live on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Audible, Amazon Music, the list goes on. Everything can be found, links, merch, videos, episodes, even contact forms at my website, www.shitmyroommatesays.com. If y'all are interested in catching another refreshing podcast, please definitely check out the Pod Squad. They are super awesome, and I cannot wait to see more content that they come up with. They are also on Facebook, YouTube. Feel free to help me out here, see? Uh, YouTube channel, the Pod Squad Session, because there's other Pod Squads. So we're the Pod Squad Sessions. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook at Pod Squad 5. Twitter at the Pod Squad 5. Uh, Instagram at the Pod Squad 5. And email the Pod Squad 5 at gmail.com. I cannot wait to work with you again. And who knows, maybe both podcasts one day can do a merging episode, crosswave, whatever they, however they call it. I would love to see more of y'all stuff. And I hope to again, have you back on. Anything you want to leave the viewers with today? Maybe I'll do some more invitations of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I think y'all needs to do it. Yuck, yuck, honey. <laughs> I can do voices too, just not as good. All right. <laughs> well, you have a wonderful day, See, Happy Super Bowl. I hope your team wins and eat tons of great food. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed today's topic and guests, just stay tuned and subscribe.